Apparently, if films are to be leaved, a popular conversation starter at dinner parties is the question, so what do you do? I can't confirm it, as I'm not invited to that sort of dinner party. Pre-Covid, I might have gone to the houses of friends for meals, but we know each other so well the question never arises. But if ever asked, for most of my life I would have replied, I'm a mum, or just a mum, as I'd have dismissively put it. Then before I retired, I worked as a church administrator. Now I suppose I'd say I'm retired. What I would never say is, I'm a writer. When people introduce me and say, Liz is a writer, I cringe and shrug, again dismissively, and only oppressed will I admit to writing a few bits and pieces. Yet writing is what I do and what I love. Having taken the scientific route through school and university, I finally rediscovered my love of writing when I was in my 40s. It began with the local paper our church produced and grew into a whole series of articles for various newspapers and magazines, as well as stories for anthologies. Then I had the opportunity to write several non-fiction books, including the story of the New York cop, Mike DeSanza, who was one of the founders of the organisation Cops for Christ. That book was picked up so quickly by publishers Hoddard and Stoughton, who also published the NIV Bible, that I foolishly imagined it was simple to find a publisher. When I was close to finishing writing my first novel, and I began approaching agents and publishers, I soon found out how wrong I was. This was back in the days before email, so I have a whole section of a filing cabinet drawer dedicated to letters of rejection. I think I had something like 29 letters of rejection for my first novel before I gave up and self-published. By that time I was getting rejection emails as well. Of course, I'm not the first author to be rejected. Stephen King's first novel was rejected 30 times. Dr Seuss was about to give up at 27 rejections. But of course for them the next submission was the right one, and that was that. Fame and fortune followed. I didn't give up entirely. For each new novel, I tried submitting to agents again, convinced that this one was definitely the one that was going to succeed. But I think with each novel, I've published three now, my self-belief began to waver sooner and I made fewer applications. I have another two completed novels and I'm in the process of writing the sixth. As well as this podcast, I write an article for a monthly magazine as well as my blog and website and an occasional post for the Zach's Facebook page. So I think it's safe to say I'm a writer. Unfortunately to the hearer that means I must be published and make money from it. The fact that very few authors can support themselves solely by writing says a lot about the value placed on the arts. But I'll get off my current hobby horse for now and back to what I want to say this week. I casually mentioned earlier that I received 29 rejection letters for my first novel. I took them with me to its book launch and waved them about and talked about them in my little speech, even joking that I could pay for my walls with them, all of which makes very light of the pain each letter caused me. As I said, I was convinced my writing was so good I'd easily get an agent or publisher. Look how simple it had been with a cop for Christ. So the first submission I made, I was hugely confident. I was even casting the characters who would play whom in the Hollywood adaptation. Days passed, weeks passed, and finally the letter came. Thank you for submitting your manuscript to us. Unfortunately, 
blah, blah, blah. I soon became awfully familiar with those words. And very soon I could tell just by looking at the envelope that came through the door that it was going to be another rejection. You think you get used to it, but you don't. Each time I send out a manuscript, I am exposing a part of myself. I am making myself vulnerable. What I have written is something of which I'm proud. It's taken me months, if not years, to perfect, and a lot of thought and energy have gone into it, not to mention the emotional ups and downs. Hmm, this is quite good. Oh no, I'm a terrible writer. Basically, I have created something. It is part of me, and I am allowing others to see it and most probably say, nah, I don't like it. Imagine someone saying that about your child. My writing, or my child, might not be perfect, but it's mine. And being a writer, or any sort of creative artist, you're opening yourself to this. Diana Stabenow, an award-winning American author, said, To be a writer is to embrace rejection as a way of life. While Isaac Asimov, the famous sci-fi writer, said, Rejection slip, however tactfully phrased, are lacerations of the soul, if not quite inventions of the devil, but there is no way around them. Of course, there is a way around them. Don't show your writing to anybody, and then it can't be rejected. But it also can't be appreciated or enjoyed. Chuck Wendig, another American author, asks the question, What kind of writer are you? The kind who survives, or the kind who gets asphyxiated by the tentacles of woe? In retrospect, it's easy to laugh at the rhetoric. Not so simple when you hold your latest slip in your hand. But right now, I don't want to talk about how to deal with rejection, although in my case, it usually involves ice cream or cake, but rather about the rejection we all experience in our daily lives. Nobody likes being rejected for any reason or by anybody. It's just not nice. But sadly for some of us, it's an almost daily occurrence. One guy turned up at Zach's breakfast shift one morning, asking if we had any dry clothes. He'd been sleeping in a doorway, and the owner had opened up and thrown a bucket of water over him. When I was helping in a youth club once, a young boy had done a drawing. I commented, saying how good it was, and he immediately screwed it up and threw it away. He was so used to being told he was useless at everything that he couldn't accept anything else. And I wonder whether the guy who was sleeping on the streets had a similar story to that young artist, when nothing he did was ever good enough, where all he knew was rejection and failure. Even in our own circles there will be people who apparently are well-adjusted and what you might think of as normal, but who struggle with the same feelings of not being good enough, being scared of rejection, even anticipating and pre-empting rejection by not allowing others to get close. Some are high in rejection sensitivity, reading slights where there are none, and behaving in a way that keeps others at a distance. And at these extremes, there is a higher risk of depression and self-injury. But what does the Bible tell us about rejection? Well, we're not far into the book before we hear about someone who was rejected good and proper. In Genesis, you'll find the story of Joseph and his brothers. I suppose my action, submitting my novel to agents, is almost asking for rejection. And Joseph's behaviour worked in much the same way. First of all, he told tales about his brother to his father, who loved him so much he had a special coat made for him. 
Note for far this year, not a good idea to single out a favourite amongst your children. Then Joseph had a number of dreams in which he saw himself lording it over his brothers. Now if Joseph had been wise, he'd have kept quiet about this. But no, he tells his brothers. So at the first opportunity they get, when away from home tending the sheep, they decide to deal with their pesky brother. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. That is serious rejection. Fortunately for Joseph, his life is spared, but he ends up being sold by his brothers to a band of travelling merchants as a slave. From there he goes to Egypt and eventually his dream does come true as his brothers have to come bowing before him to beg for food. There's a lot more to the story, including a long period in jail for Joseph, but we're told, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Though it must have seemed that he'd failed again, that he'd been rejected again, this time through no fault of his own, Joseph discovered that God hadn't rejected him. God was with him through all his long years in prison. You find the whole story in Genesis chapter 37 onwards. Or if you prefer, you can watch the Rice Weather musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which has some brilliant songs in it. Now let's leap forward to the New Testament. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. Yes, Jesus knows what it's like to feel rejected, not just by his own people, but his own family. His brothers tried to tempt him to go into Judea to show off his miracles. Don't do this in secret, they say. Show yourself to the world. At first glance, that might sound supportive, but John goes on to add, his own brothers did not believe in him. So they're making their suggestion in a sarcastic way, a sort of, yeah, come on, if you're so great, go and show everyone. Then, in his hometown of Nazareth, where you might expect people to be cheering on the local boy when he speaks in the synagogue, although at first they're amazed by his wisdom, it soon changes into a, who does he think he is? He's only the carpenter's boy, yet he's so high and mighty. Pretty soon the Pharisees and the people in charge got to hear about him as well and they spent most of their time trying to prove he was a fraud and a con man. So all in all, when it comes to rejection, there's not much Jesus doesn't know about it. Now I could say, ah oh, well, he's God, that's not going to bother him. But on earth he was fully human, and that must mean he too knew the pain of rejection. He understood what it was like to have your family, your friends reject you. At the very end, Peter, one of his closest friends, denied even knowing him, not once, but three times. If I'd been Jesus, I think I'd have thought that was good cause for rejecting Peter in return, but no. He tells Peter that he will be the rock on which Jesus will build his church. How amazing is that? That an innocent man who has suffered the ultimate in rejection eventually leading to the cross doesn't allow his experience of rejection to colour his action, but lets God's will be his guide. Wherever you are, no matter what rejection you have suffered at home, in work, with friends, 
Jesus understands. He won't stop you being rejected, but he promises, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He will never reject you. If you're finding it hard to believe that right now, for whatever reason, or if it feels as if he has rejected you, he hasn't, by the way, then remember this. We are assured that he will not leave or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Instead, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank you for listening.